Hey, what's up? It's episode 53, Pain Points of Wealth, and it's been a tumultuous week on the street of dreams. We have Chinese real estate developer Evergrande, never heard of them before until this past week, about to default on $300 billion worth of bonds. What does that mean for the entire economic financial system? Is it going to be another quote-unquote Lehman event like many strategists and economists are calling for? What do you need to do in your portfolio? We've got the Dela variant rising around the world. And the government wants to spend more money. They want to raise taxes on you. How to make sense of all of it. We're going to give you our view, exactly how you should position your portfolio right now, and what we think is happening in the economy. And on the pain points today, or the tipping point, we're going to talk about risk. What hidden underlying risks do you have in your portfolio that you're not thinking about, you need to address to make sure that you're on your path to financial independence. We're going to break it down for you. We're going to give you our blueprint for how to manage risk right now. We got a great show for you. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, Ryan, Chris, I have a confession to make. Just like Ryan, I'd never heard of Evergrande before last Monday, but I'll tell you one thing I do know, that a leveraged Chinese real estate company that owes $300 billion is not going to have a gigantic impact on a global economy that's closing in on $80 trillion in gross domestic product. It's just amazing how the media just creates so much fear and so much concern. And to your point, Bob, when you think about the entire global economy and the fact that these bonds have already been trading like they've been in default now for quite a while, it's probably not going to have that big an impact. Well, I'll tell you what, I guarantee you one other thing, guys, 100% of our clients never heard of Evergrande because there's no way in the world anything this junky would ever get into any of our bond portfolios. Who buys this stuff? Who would invest their money in a leveraged Chinese real estate company? Not with my dollars and not with yours. Well, to that point, Dad, one of my clients called me yesterday. She was very, very upset about all that's going on with Evergrande and what's going on in the markets. And she was concerned that we were going to have global bankruptcy. You know, this person's 90% in high quality municipal bonds. She was worried that every single one of her bonds in her portfolio was going to default as a result of this news that came out. Well, you know, our bonds and especially our municipal bond portfolio, Chris, is double A rated. These things are probably non-rated, so you'd have to go from the penthouse down to the basement to find these things. Well, you know, it's an interesting time right now because you've had a lot of these strategists, we talked about this kind of week after week, calling for this big 10, 15, maybe even 20% correction I think Morgan Stanley came out with. And all of a sudden, Monday, we had this big sell-off in the market. And now all of a sudden, the S&P 500 is down 5% from its high that we saw earlier in the month. And everyone's starting to think, okay, it's time now. We're finally going to get this big market sell-off that everyone's been calling for. And it looks to me like, based on just recording this right now, I'm not quite sure we're going to get a big correction right now, as all these strategists are saying. Well, whether we get it now or get it later, you know, corrections are inevitable. You know, For the last 100 years, we've had 53 double-digit declines. Now, 5% is a single-digit decline. Doesn't mean it can't turn into a double-digit decline. But here's a dirty little secret about these corrections over the last 100 years. Not one, not a single one was permanent. Every dip, every drop was temporary. And every single one of these 53 double-digit corrections was followed by new highs in the market. I don't think it's different this time. 
But I get it because it all seems kind of rational right now, right? I mean, there's a lot of news out there that's not great. We've got an economy right now that's slowing down from its peak growth that we saw last quarter. Delta variant cases are rising, which has been slowing down production around the world and it's messing up supply chains. And that government, they just want to spend more money and tax us even higher than they've been taxing us already. And that's coming down the pipeline too. So from a rational perspective, it seems like we'll probably need to get a correction here. But guys, look, it's not rocket science. There's just too much money out there, trillions of dollars that's either going to get spent in the economy or has to get a return because sitting in cash ain't going to cut it. That's going to keep driving this market higher. Let's be real. See, that's why investing is so hard. You know, I listen to you, Rye. It's all common sense. Money's out there. It has to be invested. But meanwhile, you know, these headlines, they prey on your insecurities. They prey on your emotions. You know, you look at all these double-digit declines we've had, even though there's only been 53 of them, every single one of them was for a different reason. Maybe it was geopolitical. Maybe it was macro. Maybe it was health-related. So you kind of sit there and think, well, these new concerns, these new headwinds, these new bricks, you know, on this wall of worry, maybe this is the one. So either you can sit there and read everything and try and figure out, What's going to cause the next double-digit decline? But then that's not even going to do you any good because every single time we have different news and different reasons, the market acts differently. So you could just drive yourself crazy, or you could just invest in a diversified portfolio and give yourself a high probability of success. Well, you know what? Sitting around trying to figure out what the market's going to do, as far as I'm concerned, that's the definition of insanity because you're never going to figure it out. I mean, the key here is that, one, not only do you have to be in all the time, but also that's the benefit of owning a diversified portfolio because you know, it doesn't matter what the market does. There's always going to be an opportunity to buy something when it's low. You know, there's always going to be an opportunity to take advantage of the market when it's at its peak, right? So markets are uncorrelated. And that's the best thing about owning everything is that there's always an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, there's always an opportunity, but I think it just comes down to two is, and we talk about this with our portfolios, is it's about return. And look, inflation's here. You don't need Bob and Chris to tell you that things are going to cost more, continue to cost more. And if you're sitting in cash right now, you're guaranteed to lose money. So all we need to know is those trillions of dollars have to get a return somewhere. And we know this year, you know, just the earnings, earnings on the S&P 500, we call that earnings yield is going to be like 4.8% based on all the profits companies are going to make, whereas you could buy a treasury bond at 1.3%. So it's not hard math to realize you've got to go where there's return and the stock market is going to provide a lot of return, which is going to funnel more money in there. And that's why I think here, every single dip is just going to continue to be bought. Forget worrying about this big market sell-off or crash. You've got to worry about money keep funneling into this market and actually melting up. See, right? why don't we hear that on the financial news channels every day? Because all we hear now are all these strategists that are predicting a 5%, a 10%, a 15%. Correction. And, you know, the, just the other day, there was a strategist who's been calling for a 10% correction. He was taking a victory lap on CNBC this week. And the commentator said, Well, well, wait a minute. You've been calling for a 10% correction for six months. Now you're calling for 20. What are you doubling down on a bad hand? But, you know, Chris, I know when you sail your boat, if everybody gets on the one side of the boat, isn't it pretty hard to steer? I mean, what happens to your boat when everybody's on the same side? Well, the boat capsizes. The boat can no longer go forward. And you know what the number one rule in the boat is? Stay on the freaking boat. That's all you've learned in all these years of sailing? <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. Well, you know what, Rye? That's funny that you say that. It sounds simple, right? Stay on the boat. Well, you know what? The same thing goes to investors out there. The key rule here is you got to stay in, but no one can seem to follow that rule indefinitely. 
Well, it makes sense to me. You got to stay in your boat to get to your destination. You got to stay in your portfolio to achieve your goals. I mean, common sense, guys. Well, I mean, I to keep with a sailing analogy. Just love it, boys. Is it's just like when everybody on Wall Street they tend to think the same thing at the same time, and it's actually kind of remarkable that they all can, in concert, predict for this big correction. And we know that when you have conventional wisdom, and I really believe the same thing's going to happen, or being on the same side of the boat, it doesn't end well. <laughs> it really doesn't end well. So I think strategically thinking here. Look, you know, if you have money sitting in cash right now, you're trying to figure out what you should do. You're waiting for. Maybe this big market sell-off that everyone's calling for. You're probably better off just getting invested here. There's a lot of return to be had. There's just too much cash out there. You can't fight all the cash central banks around the world have created. It's too great a force right now. Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode 53, Pain Points of Wealth. Our subscribership keeps going up. We appreciate the support. If you like our content, please don't be shy. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us some comments. Like, subscribe to our podcast, forward it to anyone else who can find it beneficial. We'd love to keep it going, but we need your support. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you can click that little notification bell so you can be updated every week as our new podcast comes out. Thanks for the support. Please like our content, subscribe. We're going to try to keep the party going. All right, Chris and Bob, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And you know something that we deal with with our clients, the 2,000 or so families that we deal with at our firm, Pain Capital Management, is risk. We think about risk morning, night. That's all we're thinking about what can go wrong. So I thought we could talk about some of the bigger risks that you have with your portfolio, your financial plan right now that can derail that financial index plan if you don't address these major risks. Hey, guys, you know what? The biggest risk is market risk. And market risk is something, if you're going to be an investor, you can't eliminate. You can't eliminate market risk because all it is is price change. The price of stocks, bonds, commodities, cryptocurrencies, crypto assets, your house changes in price every second of the day. You know, guys, what I tell you when you were growing up, you know, if everybody could view the price of their home on a ticker tape like it could the stock market, no one would own. You would rent. It would scare the living daylights out if you saw the price moving in your home. And that's kind of the cruelty of investing in the stock market because the prices change every second of the day. You can see the values. As human nature has it, when markets are going up and up and up, when you have the most risk is when you feel like you have the least amount of risk. And we're seeing this right now, people just owning crypto assets, putting all their money into tech, putting them into a lot of these hot SPACs or these NFTs and thinking that because there's more people in the casino or going in the casino as opposed to going out of the casino, that risk is very low. And on the flip side, when we have a big sell-off like the pandemic, the financial crisis, and everything's low and everything's dire, you actually have the least amount of risk. But because we're not wired to see things that way, we end up to always make the wrong decisions when it comes to investing. Well, you know what, guys? I tell you, when I get the most nervous is when my most conservative clients tell me when they're over-allocated on the stock side of their portfolio that they're comfortable with it. Yeah, you're only comfortable with it when it's going up. <laughs> And as Bob likes to say, the only time, and this is kind of cruel too, you know you've had too much risk, it's when it's too late. It's when everything is going down in your portfolio. You know, and I always say this is the worst thing is when someone tells me everything in my portfolio is going up, that's a bad sign because if everything's going up, that means when it goes down, it's all going to go down at the same time. Well, bull markets have a way of erasing our memory. And we all have to remember that when things go up, they can't grow to the sky. And certain parts of the markets do become overvalued. And they have to do what we call revert to the mean. In other words, they have to go down you know, to counterbalance how much they went up. A good example 
1999 and 2000 when we had the tech bubble. We had all these great companies selling at these ridiculous multiples. Well, they went down. So, you know, oh yeah, you guys always say when market goes down, it'll recover. Well, sometimes when you have a market that's way overvalued and it goes down, you don't break even for 15 years. That's what happened with the dot-com bubble. Some of those companies went under, some of them lost 90%, and the ones that went down 50%, it took you 15 years to break even. That's not something you can ignore. Well, you know what, Dad? You know what? I remember back in the day when I was a kid, you had me pick some stocks in my portfolio, and I think I bought AMD and Microsoft. And I remember that those didn't break even up until like two or three years ago, and I didn't feel too good about that. I felt pretty stupid, actually. Well, I'm amazed if you kept those stocks for that long. Wow. Well, it's a lesson learned, right? It's, uh, now you know why when we see a single stock, we sell a single stock. We don't believe in speculation. We believe in investing, and investing in one company is no different than rolling the dice on that crap table. And I think right now, the thing you don't realize is when you own technology stocks, you own some crypto, you own electric vehicle stocks, you maybe own some SPACs, you think you're diversified, but this is all the same trend. <laughs> you know, The reason that it's going up astronomically right now is all driven by the same loose fiscal and monetary policy. They all kind of react the same way, which means when these investments stop working, well, you know, the party's going to stop all at the same time. So that's not real diversification. I mean, diversification kind of stinks. Diversification means while you have parts of your portfolio going up, you actually have parts of your portfolio that aren't working. So that when whatever's working stops working, the things that weren't working start to work again. That's really what diversification's about, is not everything working in unison. That's actually a red flag. That's because, you know what? There are no new errors. Nothing changes, right? Things get better over time. What doesn't change is human nature. You know, and that's why you have to have a process and a discipline to your investing because you got to protect yourself from yourself. I can't believe how many new clients we see coming in with all their money in one category, the most overvalued category in the market. So there's a risk that has to be eliminated. Either the market's going to do it for you or you can take action right now. Hey, guys, you know, another big risk out there is interest rate risk. Yes. And it hasn't been a big risk because interest rates have been so low. But since we've been recovering from the pandemic, I mean, interest rates have been creeping up. And one dynamic we know about is when interest rates go up, bond prices actually go down. Where this gets impacted the most are in these vehicles called bond funds, or what I like to call the Trojan horse of bonds, because they're marketed like bonds, they're sold as bonds, but they don't act like bonds. And just to give you a little perspective, back in the 1970s and 80s, when interest rates rose up a lot, we saw bond funds fluctuate as much as 60%. Now you think about bonds being the most solid thing in your portfolio, having them fluctuate 60% doesn't sound stable to me. Well, you guys, you got to wonder, you know, we don't buy Evergrande bonds. You got to wonder who is. Perhaps some of these bond funds are buying these Evergrande bonds. Hope not, but you need to know what you own. You need to know why you own it and why you own a bond fund. I'm still scratching my head. Yeah, because just all the junk they put in there. And Puerto Rico is a great example of that. When they were on the brink of default a couple of years ago, well, who's the biggest buyer of those Puerto Rican bonds? Bond funds that retail investors like you and me had no idea that you owned, but they were in there. And you know, it's like that old Capital One commercial. Do you know what's in your wallet? Well, do you know what's in your bond fund? So like right now, more than ever, it's very critical to understand the risk you have in your bond portfolio. And again, own them outright. Don't own bond funds. The other risk that's kind of correlated to interest rate risk is inflation. And this is something we have to solve for for every client that walks in the door at our firm is your cost of living is going up. If you need $100,000 today, well, you're going to need $200,000 over the next 20 years just to do the same thing. And this is why just sitting in cash earning nothing is so treacherous right now. Really treacherous. And all I see is inflation isn't transitory. 
as the Federal Reserve has been telling us, I keep seeing it getting worse, right? Look at the price of housing, lumber, iron, oil, natural gas. Natural gas in, on Wall Street, we call the widow maker because anybody who's tried to make money in natural gas has lost money. It's doubled over the last couple of months. And think about how many homes are using natural gas now. And we came into a hard winter. Those prices are going to go even higher. So right now, I think inflation's here. You've got to, I'm not talking about hyperinflation. I'm not talking about back in the 80s when I had to pay 22% for a mortgage. I'm talking about higher inflation than what we're used to. You want to make sure that you're hedging with some inflation hedges in your portfolio right now because it's here. I don't know how long it's going to stay. I think a lot longer than most think. So Bob, you're telling me that half a percent I'm getting my money market fund is not going to cut it. Is that what I'm hearing here? No, actually, right. what I'm telling you is you're only getting one basis point, not even getting a half of 1%. If you're getting a half of 1%, I'd be happy for you. There's no yield at all. You're losing money in your cash. Guaranteed loss. Well, guys, here's a real world example. I actually talked to one of my clients' mom the other day, and she had an annuity that she bought for $200,000. And she told me that she regretted buying. And I asked her why. She said, well, I would have done much better in the markets. I said, exactly. She said, but you know what? I got that stability. I said, well, here's the biggest problem. I said, your annuity is paying you 1.6%. Over time, inflation averaged 3.1%. The only thing that annuity is going to guarantee you to do is lose money. Yeah, that's a big problem to solve for. And that's like one of the ones that doesn't get solved for is just like your cost of living is going to go up exponentially. And that's where, you know, stocks historically, everyone says, oh, inflation's a problem. Get to cash. No, <laughs> don't go to cash. You're in nothing. Stocks, real estate, commodities historically are a great place to be when you have inflation because they have what you call pricing power. You know, essentially, if prices are going up, that means that companies are raising their prices on you and me, which means their revenues go up and their profits go up. I and mean, you're seeing this across the board right now. Every company is raising their prices. And you benefit from that when you're a shareholder. Don't be just the consumer, be the owner. And that's essentially what stock ownership and real estate landlords can raise rent and commodity prices. When demand goes up, those prices naturally go up. That's why commodities are one of the best places to be this year because they're highly inflationary asset class. Yeah. So guys, we have market risk, interest rate risk, inflation risk, the risk of taxes going up. And then you have longevity risk, which is probably not a bad risk. You want to live long as long as you have the money to support yourself. But you know, I looked up risk in a dictionary, an old Webster's dictionary. And the dictionary tells us that risk is loss, damage, or injury. I don't know about you. I don't want to lose. I don't want to be damaged and I don't want to be injured. So take a hard look where the risks are in your portfolio. If you're not sure where they are, check with us. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you've saved over $750,000 and you want a more hands-on approach and you want a full audit of what you're doing right now, you can apply for a complimentary financial review by myself, Bob, and Chris. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. We literally do an audit of everything. We look at all the investments you have now, your underlying inherent risk in your portfolio. We look at what your goals are. We look at what your expenses are. We look at inflation and we model out a full game plan to make sure you're on your path to financial independence. If you'd like to get this free complimentary financial audit where we do all the work up front, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review.
Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 53, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, our subscribership has been growing. Thank you for the support. But please, if you like it, we want to keep it going, but we need that support. Give us a like. Give us a positive rating on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can click that little notification button and make sure you're up to date every week as our new podcast comes out. Thanks for the support. We'd love to keep it going and keep the momentum going. Please like our content, share it, and subscribe. All right, Chris and Bob, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, Americans' public debt is one quarter larger than the economy versus a little more than a half of gross domestic product in the third quarter of 2001. So it's grown substantially. At the same time, the Fed assets, mainly U.S. Treasury securities, have grown more than 11-fold to over 8.3 trillion dollars over the last 20 years. Well, it looks like the Fed is the buyer of last resort when it comes to U.S. Treasuries. We're sitting here at the edge of our seat, waiting to hear what Jerome Powell has to say about tapering those purchases. They keep up this pace; they're going to own every bond that's issued. Well, I almost wonder too if they stop tapering and rates start to go up, we could see real interest rates for the first time in a long time, which again, watch out for those bond funds. Chris, corrections happen about once every 17 months in the stock market, according to Dow Jones market data. Either a bear market or a drop of 20% or more, or a correction, which is a drop of 10% or more, happens about once a year in the stock market. Well, we did have a bear market about 18 months ago, but we haven't seen any corrections in the last 17 months. So, you know, statistics are great. But as we always say, the only way to win is to be in. It's true. And every dip has been bought. There's a lot of cash out there. Don't wait for the correction. You heard it here first. Bob, for the first time, AMC theater attendance topped pre-pandemic numbers for the corresponding days in 2019. The economy's reopening. The economy's definitely reopening, Rye. I was up to visit you in New York last weekend. You gave me a list of 12 restaurants. Couldn't get into one of them. It's amazing. The demand's there, the supply's not, this economy's booming, and it's just getting started. And in case our listeners are wondering, Bob, you and mom are fantastic house guests. Thank you for keeping the place clean. Chris, only 3.8% of single stock strategies produce return greater than the overall market through a full 90-year horizon. Such results explain why active strategies, which tend to be poorly diversified, most often lead to underperformance. And you know what, Ryan? There's some debate as to whether that 3.8% is either smart or lucky. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather go with the vast majority and own that diversified portfolio rather than trust that 3.8% that might outperform. Yeah. And as a good reminder, if you own Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and you've done a great job, statistically, those stocks will eventually underperform the market. Well, gentlemen, another great show. If you like our content, love our content, please like our content, subscribe, leave us a comment, give us a five-star rating. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.